But you know what? I thought you were mysterious like my mother until it turned out the mysterious just meant depressed, all right? Hard to reach. I mean, I'm dying here. I don't like going out. You know that I get anxiety when I have to meet people. You know how hard that is. Everything you touch turns to shit! Like King Midas's idiot brother. Jesus. But if you two aren't the biggest pair of fuck-ups I've ever met in my entire life... Hello, everyone, and welcome to Give Us a Second, a mini-sode series brought to you by the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is our 54th Give Us a Second. And yes, we are doing our 2022 year in review. Finally, it's Oscar Day, I guess. The least (laughs) least exciting day. I don't think anyone's even... People are like, what? The Oscars are today? Yeah, I guess they are. I'm not, I don't even think I'm going to watch it, if I'm being honest. Well, you I, didn't I, la- watch it last year, right? Oh, no, I was watching. Oh, you... Oh, okay. The Slap? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. It was the year before I didn't watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not particularly interested, and I don't really care at all mm. anymore. But it is a good time for us to do our best of the year lists, which we will get to momentarily. Before we do so, I'd like to remind you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Podbean and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you have not already done so. You can find us on Twitter at GreatestPod. If you would like to do a listener request, buy it from us. They're not free anymore. Oh. Let us know. You can get a free sticker, though, and we'll mail that to you. Let us know on Twitter. And you can also reach us by email, greatestpod at gmail.com and we will potentially read your email on the show which we're going to start doing this very episode so surprise surprise hold on to your butts some activity happening and you can find us on letterboxd zach1983 and matt crosby on that app maybe you can see what we rated these movies even though i didn't give most of them star ratings if any of them because i don't really do that anymore matt does that's right, yeah. Well, you have rated far more movies than me, so I have a lot of ground to catch up on. Okay, before we jump in to this busy, give us a second, because we're going to cover a lot of movies in this mini-sode, including ones that didn't make our lists and the whole thing and yada, yada, yada. So there's a lot to talk about. I figured it would be interesting to kick off this mini-sode with an email, which was just a coincidence, because I think it happened to capture the vibe yeah of this episode love it i was like all right perfect this email comes from luke Mm. he writes hey what's up first time long time hey uh curious about your thoughts on this subject you talk a lot about movies sure do yes we do but i've never heard you talk about the movies of today marvel comma superhero etc versus the movies of the past do you think the older movies are better. Never heard you speak on this one. Hmm. Thanks. I'll uh, hang up and listen. <laughs> I feel like Luke is not a regular listener, although we do know him as a longtime listener. We've touched on the subject. I feel like I talk about it constantly, but maybe that's more off mic. Well, I gave an insane response to this email yeah. that was very long, and I said, short answer, yes. Mm-hmm. Long answer, it's very complicated. <laughs> and then I went into a whole explanation. Yeah. Even though we are not necessarily fans of Marvel or superhero stuff that much, 
I don't really put the blame necessarily on that more than anything else. The, mm-hmm. the number one reason I think that the quality is suffering is the introduction and ease of streaming. And there's a whole bunch of offshoot reasons yep. from that main one as to the why it's affected. The disposable factor. Well, there's the race to content, which has led to a disregard of quality control. Just look at Netflix, for example. There's almost no quality control to most of the movies they're putting out. But it's more than that, because if you pay $9.99 a month for a streaming service, and that streaming service offers 50 movies that you've never seen, you might be content with watching these movies, whether they're from the last 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever, rather than get in your car and go see new movies. I think the thing that we underestimated was how much the theatrical experience was propping up the whole industry altogether. Because now there's not really a need for all of these other genres anymore because adults aren't really going to movies, so you don't need adult dramas, family dramas, erotic thrillers. All these different genres just don't really exist anymore because people over 40 generally aren't going to the movies, mm-hmm. which was definitely not the case in the past, which we've mentioned in several episodes we've done yeah. audiences have proved that they prefer these giant world building situations so they care more about connecting movies and characters from one thing to the other thing and this race between marvel and dc which marvel got a huge head start dc's been trying to catch up and if that doesn't really appeal to you then you're shit out of luck because the studios are afraid to invest in new ideas because There's so much financial risk at play, so they only want to rely on the proven IPs that already exist. But yeah, I I think the biggest problem is that there isn't enough room for creative artists and and voices to grow and have careers outside of the formulaic IP stuff. I listed a few directors in my response to Luke where I was like, you can't replicate these guys' careers anymore because they would just get scooped up immediately yeah. by Disney or whatever because there really isn't enough money out there for them to be able to do their own thing. You're not going to be able to replicate Quentin Tarantino or Paul Thomas Anderson or people like that because there just isn't the opportunity to do so anymore. It doesn't feel like there's a time-specific cultural identity like there was in the preceding eras, and it feels like it's been a while since there's been one. And it doesn't feel like there can be one again. (laughs) What do you mean? We just did Thief, which, you know, you ask how we look at old movies compared to the current era. I have Thief eight places higher than any of the movies on my top ten list. It's not even close for me. But we talked about 70s filmmaking, 80s filmmaking. Well, I would say that the definitive thing now is superheroes. Okay. So it does have one. It's just not one that appeals to you. Okay. Because, for better or for worse, that's what the whole industry is propped up on. Sure. I think if superhero movies did not exist, most of the theater chains would be closed by now. Mm -hmm. And so it's up to Disney to keep releasing Marvel into the theaters to keep these things alive. Okay. Well, I mean, the the superhero movie, I guess if that era really started with Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man, and we've been in some version of it for 20 years It didn't years really now. kick off till Iron Man. Yeah. I think that's Disney's... Took the next level. ...world building that they started. But yeah. yeah. It was being teased to us probably ever since 
maybe Tim Burton's Batman, but that mm-hmm. might be a stretch. It might be, yeah, the X-Men, Spider-Man combo around that time period. Whatever you want to blame it on, whether it's the reliance on Marvel or streaming or people's apathy, the how the world's changing and the boom of the internet, which sounds crazy and old manish to say now, but 25 years ago, people weren't expecting you to be able to stream movies over the internet on your phone or laptop computer or on your TV through a device or even just through the TV itself. That was science fiction 25 sure. years ago. So now, even us, people who used to go to the theater 50, 60, 70 times a year, I know. you kind of fall into that thing where, okay, this movie... I do want to see it, but it's probably going to be streaming in three weeks. It would just be easier to not go. I'm tired or whatever. I hate driving. Exactly. So I think the theatrical thing has crushed movies because there isn't as much quality control on streaming because it's a race to get more content than the other streamers. So they're not really taking the time to really vet these things the way they should. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, just watch fucking red notice or any of these generic fucking netflix movies gray man or whatever the fuck they are like who even knows what these things are they have huge movie stars it is weird netflix does have a negative connotation with me when i think about their movies because i do think that they put out stuff that i would be interested in at least checking out but i never do now it's so diminished from where it started where i think that the percentage of quality is so low Mm -hmm. And it's like that across all of them, but Netflix is the first one and the biggest one and everything else. And as a result of that, I think a lot of the top talent, a lot of the creative minds have gone into TV or other formats. There isn't as much interest in film in the same way. I do think that we are primed for another indie boom because of this. I think that that will happen. It feels like it needs to bubble up at some point. but And it's also easier now. To make an independent movie. True. The barriers for, of entry are yeah. lower than they've ever been. So I do think that that could happen. It's not like I've given up hope. And it's not sure. and it's not that I think that there's no talent. I think the talent is always the same across any generation. It's just where does it go and what do you do with it? Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that there's the same kind of appreciation. And then when people do make something that's interesting on their own or for a very low budget or whatever, one to two movies and they're getting scooped up. It doesn't have to be Marvel, it could be Star Wars, it could be some other gigantic reboot type thing, whatever. But yeah, I think movies are worse now. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, <laughs> how many times have superhero movies, in the spirit of this episode, made your top 10 lists over the past 15 years? Christopher Nolan, Batman movies, probably for me, but I don't know outside of that. Probably Logan. Okay, yeah, James Mangold. Pretty small list, though, compared for, to yeah, how many come sure. out per year. But that's a personal preference. Sure. I think some people do like well, Marvel he's asking us. a lot, and that's fine, but that's not our thing personally. And I think if you're not really into it, then you are left out in the cold. But as I wrote to Luke, part of it is getting old. Yeah, yeah. We don't appreciate new music anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. we are old. I know. Nothing is going to hit the like same. I only like pop music. <laughs> Part of this episode, we are going to get to it eventually when, as we're going through our lists, is pointing out some movies that did resonate with people that just didn't sure. work for us for whatever reason. And that is part of just being an old fuddy-duddy who's on the outside I looking know. in. It is funny being on like a whole different plane because I still can get really excited about a big movie. Now, 
the last time that happened was probably Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, where I was like that level of excited about a movie coming out. Right. That just checked a lot of boxes for us. Right. On a personal level. But there are people who probably several times a year are excited about a release because they're the ones that are like into this world. But it's like so many of the big movies are the superhero genre. And it's like if you're not here for that, you're not getting a lot of opportunities at big collective moment movies. Well, a lot of the things that I've looked forward to the most, maybe post Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, post COVID or during COVID in, mm-hmm. in these years, have been things that have snuck up on me. They just haven't had that same months of anticipation. Sure. I'll see a trailer for the new Julia DeCornell film oh. who did Raw. Yep. And I'll be like, what the fuck is this t- Titane movie? And then I'll, <laughs> I'll be like, oh my God, they're fucking a car or something. You know? <laughs> this is for me. Yeah, this was made for me. Yeah. Or Benedetta or something where I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> horny nuns, yeah. please. So those things don't have the months of anticipation, but then I'll hear about them and see them, and then I'll be like, okay, yeah, this was great. Or even Licorice Pizza. Oh, yeah. Which wasn't really on the same level as some of the other stuff, but like a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but you know, it kind of comes along, and I'm like, oh, the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie is coming out all of a sudden. Let's get excited here. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our list. I did 15. Matt did 10. So I'm going to rush through my first five. Please. And then we'll do a back and forth once we get into the, the next group. If you have any of these and you want to sh- save talking about them, just go ahead and say that. If, okay. If you don't care and want to just talk about it now, even if you have it on yours, then that's fine, too. Sure. And if it's not on your list, then whatever. Number 15, I have The Northman, directed by Robert Eggers. Okay, on my list. This movie was dangerously close to making the disappointments list. Halfway between both. I'm with you. Visually, it was incredible. The story was also cool, but it just never quite landed in the way that I really wanted it to. I feel like Eggers has a ton of talent. It should be on that list of current directors that are doing like cool projects that are separate from this whole other world and is, has able to like he is. maintain that. Yeah. But I do think I have, and I think I stand apart from at least Letterboxd in this way, I've scored his movies progressively worse. Now, all positive still, but I liked The Witch the most. Then the lighthouse, then this. Yeah, I think. What is it for most people? Like a a triangle. With yeah, I think the so. I, I feel like people really like this. Too. Oh, really? I yeah. thought that this was overall a disappointment for people, but maybe we're a little bit on the outside. On I, mean, I think it's a three point eight on Letterbox, but I, there's a lot of five stars out there for it. Wow. Yeah, I could see that more for the lighthouse, and and I've heard rumors that the next A twenty four four K is supposed to be the lighthouse. So yeah. I'm excited for that. Me too. But yeah, this was sort of a reluctant add to my list. I have to at least put this out there. I think this is my most disappointing list of all time. Matt had a hard time. He also didn't yeah. see a lot of them. Well, that's true. My honorable mention list is short. Right. Number 14, I have a movie that is nominated for Best Picture, All Quiet on the Western Front, directed by Edward Berger. Mm-hmm. Visually, this is a masterpiece. It is beyond artistic. Every frame looks incredible. The moral of the story, folks, war is bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think we know that. It's rough. Sure thing. It's violent and gruesome. It reminded me a little bit of 1918, because this is also a World War One movie. Yep. And 
the characters are not super well developed. It's hard to really engage with them in any real way, which is what prevented me from connecting with it fully and and pushing it up further on the list. But this yeah. is one that you can watch for free on Netflix. And Didn't I think see was interested. I do think going back to our previous conversation. The Netflix thing was a little bit of a deterrent for me. This is one I think they bought, though, because it okay. is a German film. Yeah. I don't know that they really paid for this. I actually can remember going all the way back to our killer cinema days, there was talks of doing a remake of this, and I guess it finally came to fruition. I, well, it's probably not the same one. <laughs> <laughs> Someone number, finally got it off the ground. Number 13, Bodies, 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 directed by Helena Rain. I hope I'm saying that name right. What can I say? This movie satirized the Gen Z type kids okay. in a funny way. I was amused by it. There was some podcast joke Ooh, type materials right. that I thought was pretty funny. On the nose? It's not really horror, but it flirts with that, I guess. But it's not. I wouldn't really call it a horror movie. Yeah. I sort of a see dark it. comedy. If this is one of those ones that I only hear of because you say it to me. You're interested in it. And then I'm like, okay, it's on my list. And then you're sort of like, yeah, I was okay on it. And then I don't really make a huge effort. Number 12 is probably on your list as well. The Menu, directed by Mark Malad. Mm-hmm. On my list, yeah. Now, I watched this around the same time that I watched a bunch of other stuff. And I initially liked this one the best. But I would say that this in a movie that's further up on my list, which I'm also positive is on yours, so we'll save talking about it. Sure. I started to think about both of them because they are sort of similar in a lot of ways. And I started to appreciate the other one more and this one less as time went on. I thought the menu was very entertaining, but also, oddly enough, considering it's kind of about food in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Not really about food, but food plays a big part. I didn't find it satisfying. I was entertained by it, but it felt like a very surface-level critique on these things that it was critiquing i just yeah. didn't think it was as deep as it could have been even though there was some great parts of it also is anya taylor joy in every fucking goddamn movie i do agree year? i know the fuck the menu was <laughs> making me laugh quite a bit i would say more than i was expecting it is a hard one for me to think about rewatching. it does get points for judith light being in it from who's the boss definitely Number 11, and this is another one which I'm sure will be on your list, and one of the reasons why I pushed mine to 15, because I did want to include it. It just was, it ended up being the odd man out when I really got down to it. Also nominated for Best Picture, The Fablemans, directed by Steven Spielberg. I think what? We'll save that. Yeah, we'll talk. save that one, because it's definitely on my list. Okay, so we're going to take a break from the countdown here and talk about movies we didn't see yet. <laughs> oh, yes. For Matt, this would be a much longer list. I could go on at length. For me, this is just to let the listeners in on the fact that we didn't see everything, and so there might be a reason why certain things aren't on the list. I didn't see Avatar yet, the new one. Matt and I are kind of in the same world with Avatar as we are with Marvel, although I do appreciate Avatar way more, I think, in general than Marvel, because there's obviously such a huge amount of craftsmanship in terms of what it looks like and the sure. whole visual thing. I Just respect it. From a story standpoint, I never really liked the first one that much. and Same. I was interested in seeing this one, but it also felt like one you had to see in the theater, and we just haven't really been to the theater in months. Yeah, it is tough. After Sun, which some people I respect have called the best movie of the year. After it, Sun? I don't even know what this is. 
It's an A24 movie. It's a drama. Okay. I almost rented it, but then A24 announced that Blu-ray, and so then I was like, should I just buy this Blu-ray? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't watch it yet. The Whale, another A24 movie. Darren Aronofsky, Brendan Fraser. I just couldn't bring myself to rent this yet. Sure. Someday it's... I'll watch it, but... There's several every year. I watch a shitload of movies, but every year, probably at least 30% of what's nominated for Best Picture I haven't watched, even though I could have made the effort. The There's... only one this year for me is Avatar. That's the only okay. nominee I didn't see. All right, but... Out of the 10. Well, then there's these other fringe movies that get the buzz, like The Whale. Yeah, you know, that nominated I for Best Actor. Could make more of an effort, but there's always this bucket where I'm, eh, I'll get to it at some point. That's what I think about The Whale. The Woman King, She Said... Those are other films from this past year I didn't see. Yeah, she said I do want to watch, but are you ever in the mood? Yeah. You know, that's it is tough. So, full disclaimer, we didn't see everything. This is just out of what we saw, which is usually the case every year, but for whatever reason in 2022, it felt like that list of didn't sees was yeah. a little longer than normal. Plus, some of the foreign films, obviously, we didn't really see much of that. I will say Lindsay and I will be watching Women Talking before the weekend is up because it's leaving Prime. Just a public service announcement. It's leaving prime, folks. (laughs) So let's get into the top tens. You can start since I just ran through five. Well, and we talked about it already. Just snuck onto the list. I was able to get nine with relative ease. It wasn't tough for me to get to nine. But then ten, I really struggled with. And I put the Northman in there because of the things that I liked about it. And because I do think Eggers is a cool director, But there was a lot in it that I just didn't find myself being that invested in. Number 10 for me, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, directed by Dean Fleischer Camp. Okay. Look. No idea. 45 minutes into this thing, I'm saying this is the stupidest fucking garbage (laughs) I've ever seen. And then five seconds later, I'm sobbing uncontrollably. (laughs) It's a fucking snail shell thing that talks. Jenny Slate does the voice. Okay. It's A24. Okay. You don't remember this? Kind of. My life is a blur. Isabella Rossellini does a voice. All right. It's very sweet, like ridiculously sweet. And ultimately, by the end of it, I loved it. Yeah. (laughs) But for a while, I'm like, I can't believe I'm watching this. (laughs) But it wins you over in a big, bad way. Number nine, Matt. I uh, went with this Banshees of Inishirin. Yeah, I have this on my list coming up, too, but we can talk about it now. It's one of those ones that I do feel like... Maybe later down the road, I would like it more even. This is also one of the nominees for Best Picture. I sort of feel like I need to rewatch with subtitles because I'm just not that great with heavy accents. So yeah, it's directed was... by Martin McDonough. Who we like. Colin Farrell. An In Bruges Reunion, which is a movie sure. that I really enjoy. Yes, very hard to understand. It's It's much more of a metaphorical type story. Yeah. Don't really want to tell you what to think of it, because who knows, maybe we'll do it one day on the show, so I'm not going to get into a full explanation. Over-the-top, allegorical, black comedy. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. There we go. Number nine, also nominated for Best Picture for me, Triangle of Sadness, Ruben Osland. This was what I was referring to when Mm -hmm. talking about the menu. I think that Triangle of Sadness and the menu have a lot of crossover. Yeah, this is on my list, and it's not that far away. It'll come up in a couple spots for me. The biggest weakness of Triangle of Sadness for me is the length. Mm-hmm. I think you can it get runs the picture gas. in about 30 to 40 minutes yeah, yeah. less. <laughs> this is a very long movie. Right. 
the beginning and the end are excellent. Absolutely. And if you see it, you know what I mean. The segments of the film. There's like three main segments, and the beginning and the end are excellent. The middle drags. There's, of course, the famous vomiting sequence, which- Hard to watch. Is gross, but everyone knows. And there's great stuff on the boat, but it- it's just too much. It's I know. It's very long. It needed to be edited more tightly. Absolutely. It's the same basic premise of the menu, which is eat the rich. I was watching both of these movies and White Lotus all kind of around the same time. Season yeah. Season two. There's two major things going on. Men are terrible <laughs> and rape women all the time. Uh-huh. And the rich are terrible and oppress the poor. Those are like the two big themes. And I'm not against either of them. Sure. They are true, but- it is that thing. A lot of familiar ground. It in can a lot become of this stuff. overkill when you're seeing like the same type of thing. And by the way, the magic of movies popping up a little too much. Number eight, Matt. <laughs> oh, how about I just do my number eight and my number seven? Because number eight, I have the menu, and number seven, I have Triangle of Sadness. Okay. Movies that I liked comparably, I think I like Triangle of Sadness a little bit more. I'll do both of my eight and seven because number eight is Women Talking, directed by Sarah Polly. speaking of men raping women. Yep. This is a movie that I would have never expected to enjoy this much, and I did see some dissenting voices on Letterboxd. Most people gave it raves. I did see some very low scores from a couple of people. It's a strange movie in that it is definitely more suited to be a play, but it is based on a novel and not a play. But it is basically what you get. Women talking. Mm-hmm. That's basically the whole movie. They sit in a room and they talk. And there are some flashbacks, but I found it very compelling. Well, Rooney Mars in it, right? I mean, well, you're getting two Elizabeth Salanders. Oh, for the yeah, price that's right. And Claire Foy. <laughs> yes. They are both in this film. All right. And Jesse Buckley and Frances McDormand. Yeah. Although Frances McDormand is not really in it that much, and it's kind of weird that she's listed so high in the cast. But I think she was one of the... She was there like definitely the would have been a time where you would have been like reading that cast and we would have been like, this is a must-see in the theater. Mm. Come on. I think the time that we really loved Rooney Mara was before I even knew who the other two, like Jesse Buckley and Claire Foy, even were. It never ran out for me with Rooney. <laughs> it's still going. She's delightful in the film. They're, they're all good. Yeah. And that's what was so shocking about it. Not that I wouldn't think a film like this could be powerful, but it just won me over in a way, in such a simplistic way. And it really confronts an idea from a perspective that we're not used to seeing. Because this is a very devout religious colony, where it's almost like the village. At some point in the movie, you find out it's 2010, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, Why are they living like this? And... It's a choice. Like they live it isolated on their own. It's based on a true story. But all of a sudden, all this dark shit is happening with assaults, sexual assaults, and it's being covered up more or less by the elders, the men of the community. And, of and these women are faced with a decision. But they don't lose faith in God either. Like it's all like trying to figure out how to handle this in the face of their religion, too. So it's, it's a very unique way of approaching this material that I feel like we haven't really seen in any, any of these other things. And I found it to be very compelling and it, and the women have all different points of view and they argue over it. And it's, it's good. It's interesting. And number seven, I also have the Banshees of Inishirin 
from Martin McDonough. So we can move on to number six from Matt. So this was one that kind of took the world by storm. I had no idea what it was going into it, other than you telling me briefly that you should go in knowing nothing. What a ride. Had no idea where it was going. I feel like I know where you're getting to, and I have this coming up shortly. Barbarian. Yeah, I have this at number five. Yeah. One of those great theatrical experiences where you just have no idea what's coming, and it's just endlessly entertaining. Yeah, this one is directed by Zach Kreger. I didn't know much about it either. I kept reading, don't know anything, don't know anything going in. And so I said that to you. We went to see it. It's completely unique feeling. It has multiple resets that you're just like, what the fuck is going on right. now? You're in a completely different world all of a sudden. It's impossible to guess where it's going to go. And you sort of miss that experience in the theater. I know. Of just not having no fucking clue what is going to happen next. Yeah. And I was scared and laughing a lot and just highly entertained the whole time. I know. And I enjoyed it a lot. My number six is also a horror film. X. Oh, yes. Directed by Ty West. Also coming up on my list. We talked about it a little bit on the podcast. It's kind of an homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre and House of Wax and Tourist Trap. Movies like that, yeah. People get stranded, but they're not stranded. But they they go to a weird place, and then there's all sorts of like old horror movie Easter eggs in it too. Like, yeah, it's very grindhousey feeling. Right. Lots of nudity, fun cast, weird shit in it. Yeah, I like Ty West. He's never had like a huge career, but his movies are. He's developing something with this trilogy with Mia Goth. People are catching yeah. on a little bit. He's definitely getting more and more respect in the horror world, which he already had, but. It's definitely been growing, and that was a lot of fun. So before we get into our top fives, although you already know mine was number five was Barbarian, now's the time that we've been building to all year where we have to address some things that are going to make us not popular. And it's a little bit of a spoiler alert, I guess, in case you were thinking any of these movies might appear in our top fives. But I feel like now's the time to do it because we'll save our honorable mentions to the very end after we get to number one. So to go along with Luke's email and the whole thing about movies and everything, sometimes it's just you're not connecting with stuff that a lot of other people are connecting with. And the main three this year that people seem to like to varying degrees, although the first one is almost universal, that just I didn't really like, and I guess you've kind of felt the same. Yeah. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Almost a shoe-in to win Best Picture at this point. It seems like, what, like a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes? People crying over it. I didn't think it was a bad movie or anything like that. It's not like I hated it. No, no. I just didn't really connect with it in any real way. I don't like jumping through different universes or the multiverse. That immediately makes me not like it. The humor wasn't really clicking for me. Yeah, I didn't really think it was funny or anything. But... It was interesting, it was creative, it was unique. I know there is a subsection now of people who have kind of been you know, leading towards the backlash, like kind of goofing on the hot dog fingers or the googly eyes or whatever, which is fine. Hmm. I, I don't really care either way if you're going to love it or hate it, but I don't know. It just didn't really... Yeah. I think the stakes get lower when you start jumping through universes. I, I just can't follow like why this matters at a certain point. I was okay on it. I was on the more positive side of okay, 
but I was probably more in the middle. Yeah. Just like straight down. Right. Okay. I was like, this was fine. Yeah. But whatever. It was a little I, long for me. I could me. not imagine crying at the end of the movie. And I cried to plenty of these movies. Yeah. I was crying I think, during um, Marcel the Shell. I was crying during Women Talking. I mean, <laughs> I'm not hard to make cry during a movie <laughs> at all. Yeah. And I could not imagine it from this movie. I was blown away reading people saying that. I was like, what are they watching that I'm not seeing? I don't know. Yeah, I know. The second one we talked a little bit about because I saw it over the summer, Nope, which oh, yeah. was a lot of people's favorite film of the year, Did which not again see. is baffling to me. Since you didn't see it, we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about it. You can go yeah. back and listen to whatever episode that was where I talked about seeing it. It makes me a little nervous. I had a lot of hope for Jordan Peele after Get Out. Yeah, which we both loved. And then Us, I was like, oh, no. Now, this was better than Us for me, but I, I don't get the people buzzing over this movie either. I was kind of like, uh, okay, fine. It was kind sort of like everything everywhere all at once. I was like, this is fine, but yeah, okay. it didn't really resonate that much. A movie that I think I liked more than you, which is nominated for Best Picture, Elvis. Oh, yeah. You definitely didn't like it. No, and I, I think, in general, I probably liked Baz Luhrmann more than I know the Tom Hanks character is supposed to be hateable and a slime ball, but I just really had a tough time watching him do that role for that long. It really was grinding for me. I barely remember it. I definitely liked Austin Butler's Elvis. Yeah, he's good. Pretty cool. I thought it was fine. Same as the other two. It was like, this is fine, I guess. The music was fun. I thought it got very repetitive towards the end. Too long. (laughs) <laughs> again i know so many of the even the movies on that, my list are so long it annoys me that every movie has to be two hours and 40 minutes plus yeah it is kind of sad I, there's an art to editing you sound like my dad now i know but i take it seriously although when my dad says stuff like that i'll point out like all of these old movies from the 40s and 50s well, that are like true. over two hours yeah. i'm like you you don't know what you're talking about he no, acts like every movie in the past was 80 minutes i know there is a bunch of shit that was or a bunch of old shit that was super long too but it feels like it happens with impunity now. Somebody needs to hold these people accountable and say, cut some shit out. All right, I'm going to run through a bunch of these. I don't okay. want to dwell on all of them too long. Men, one of the worst movies of the year. <laughs> don't Worry Darling, one of the worst movies of the year. Yeah, but Don't Worry Darling was one of the most fun movies to talk about this year. Blonde, one of the most disappointing movies of the year. I like Andrew Dominic. I don't really care that he's an asshole who said fucked up shit about Marilyn Monroe or whatever. Make a fun, compelling movie, and you can say whatever you want. I don't care if he's some fucking weirdo, misogynist, whatever. I know that bothers some people. Personal lives of these people doesn't mean shit to me. If you can make a good movie. As long as they're not committing crimes. Don't oh, get yeah, me yeah. wrong. I'm not talking about, like, fucking Harvey Weinstein or Kevin Spacey or something. I'm talking about, like, this dude said some weird shit that ruffled feathers in addition sure. to making this fucking weird movie. And I do think there is a certain artistry to Blonde. I don't have a problem with Ana de Armas getting nominated for Best Actress or anything like that. She's good in it. It's an insanely challenging performance to have to give. I'd say. F- fucking horrible and it's dark. It's grim. But the movie was boring, and it I know, just wasn't long. that good. <laughs> Glass Onion. Now, this is the best of the movies that we're listing right now by far. But it didn't... I don't know. It just... Again, it was sort of like the menu and Triangle of Sadness. It was yeah. the same story but i i just i didn't think it was as interesting as those no, other two but also like 
to me felt like a diminished version of its predecessor. It didn't quite have that same spark. Yeah, it, it relied on flashbacks too, which you're not really supposed to do. <laughs> I know that you can do whatever you want, but I don't know. It, it kind of is like a cheap way to get to the end sometimes yeah. with that kind of stuff. In that particular genre, I mean. White Noise. Oof. oof. Didn't see. Oof. But that, again, another one. That's a Netflix one too. Noah right? Baumbach. He's, I don't know. I know. Sometimes I, he's great, and then other times I, I can't believe that it's a movie. If you go back in time when, what was it, the Meyerowitz stories? That was a Netflix movie, right? Right, yeah. Which I loved, thought was hilarious. I know. I think that's his best movie, and yeah. no one else would really say that outside of me and you. Oh, I think. okay. <laughs> well, I think most people are like Francis Ha, Squid and the Whale. Oh, I like Squid and the Whale, yeah. Whatever. But yeah. Kicking and screaming. Like all of his other movies, they'd probably put ahead of Meyerowitz Stories. I think Meyerowitz Stories is fantastic. Yeah, I like it and too. And maybe one of Sandler's best films, yeah. if not his best film. Right up there with Uncut Gems mm-hmm. and The Wedding Singer. <laughs> Uncut Gems. And Deep Water, another Ana de Armas disappointment. Adrian <laughs> us down the shit. Well, Adrian Line, you're like, okay, yeah. the dude hasn't made a movie in forever. Most of his other movies traffic in like pure erotic thriller horniness. You're talking like Unfaithful with Diane Lane, Fatal Attraction. Wow. True gems. Things like that. Sure. And he's had some other movies that weren't erotic thrillers, but they were also pretty good. Flashdance, which might be like his worst film, but it was also like iconic though. That's a Pittsburgh movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Deep Water was just kind of a dud. There were a couple of great moments in it. It was funny in a way, but I don't think intentionally so. I know. Which is always a weird thing to get into. Affleck was like kind of hard to watch in it too. I don't know what the deal was with him. I've heard some rumors maybe J-Lo paid to bury that movie a little bit because she wasn't thrilled. Yeah. Because by the time the movie actually came out, Affleck wasn't with Ana de Armas anymore. He's with J-Lo and J-Lo has that much power. I don't know if that's true, but it was weird that they just dumped that on Hulu out of nowhere. I know. There was no explanation. It's like, oh, this is on Hulu now. But whatever. It's an erotic thriller with Ana de Armas. There's a couple of great moments, at sure. least. <laughs> There's a couple of things that are worth checking out. All right, let's get back into the top fives. You already know my number five, so we'll start with me. It's Barbarian, and then we'll go to Matt which for his number five. Yeah, this was one that we saw in the theater together. I had sort of mixed feelings, but was on the positive side, and the time away from it, more and more, I kind of had an appreciation grow for it, and of course, this is the massively disappointing Babylon. Well, yeah, I have that coming up at number four. So okay, yeah. we're basically pretty close together on that one as well. So yeah. Damien Chazelle, yeah. Uh, well, there's definitely a hive, a Babylon hive of us out there uh-huh. who are into it, but it didn't get nominated for Best Picture. It bombed at the box office pretty hard. <laughs> it's pretty bloated. There's yeah. definitely shit that should be cut out of definitely. it. Definitely. Agreed. Too long again. It's gross at times and ridiculous but that's sort of the fun but also just has that fun spark and feel of a big hollywood production yeah which i guess is sort of the point but at the same time though if it was as wild as it could have been like if it was straight up as crazy as it should have been like a caligula type thing then it would probably be my number one movie of the year i do think that like it's almost play acting it being bad (laughs) yeah like, ooh, look at this. Ooh, but when you actually think about it, it's kind of like, what is going on? It's an homage in a way to, or a ripoff of PTA, definitely, sure. a couple of times. Yeah. The tonal shifts jumping in and out of different tones. Chazelle doesn't quite have that mastered, but it's close enough. It's a, a, it's a reminder because Chazelle gets so much credit, and rightfully so. 
he's had a a big start to his career in right. terms of critical acclaim and everything. But it is a reminder of how fucking unbelievable Paul Thomas Anderson I know. is. He was like in his what mid twenties when he made Boogie Nights. He's getting into fights with a fucking legend like Burt Reynolds, and he's coming out with <laughs> Boogie Nights. He's like 27. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. And then when you go back and you watch Boogie Nights, you're like, oh, wow, you can definitely tell like the budget wasn't even that high, and it's somehow he pulls it all off. I think there's definitely directors in terms yeah. of like awards that just do not get enough respect. Dude, and, I know. And he's one of them. It's what? insane that he hasn't won Best Director yet. Insane. Watch something like There Will Be Blood and tell me who can make a movie like that. I would say that about almost any of his movies. Yeah, I know. Really. So yeah, I had Babylon at number four. What did you have at number, number four? Number four for me, also a movie we already talked about, X. Wow, okay, real high. Yeah, yeah, I think I really enjoyed X. I flip-flopped, though. It was close. Babylon was close to being four and X five. I'm but. very curious as to what is going to be. Oh, I, oh, okay, I figured yeah. it out. <laughs> like, what is in your top three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I figured it out. Number three is a movie I just watched this week. I was putting it off putting it off i knew i was gonna like it but it never felt like the right moment to watch it i kind of regret not seeing it in the theater it's a movie called bones and all directed by luca guadagino oh starring timothy chalamet and uh i forget the girl's name a director that i certainly like and i'm always compelled by what's going on with but i don't know what this is well it is completely nuts that he (laughs) makes a fucking movie with army hammer call me by your name right who then is accused of being a cannibal uh-huh. and then makes a cannibal love story and then claims it has nothing to do with that, which is so weird. Yeah, yeah. And I believe him. I don't really think he was thinking of that at all. But sure. Taylor Russell, was, who was an actress I was not really familiar with, and she blew me away in it. A lot of people make the comparison to Near Dark, Catherine Bigelow's film about oh, vampires. This okay. is about cannibals. It seems to take place kind of in the 80s, but I'm not really sure. Which is kind of the cool thing about it. You're like, this could be the 1980s or this could be the future. I'm not really sure what this is. Well, that's always a promising quality. It's a road movie. It's a romance movie. This is sounding good. I hate to fall back on the cliche, but it's definitely like kind of a vibes movie more than plot for a long time. I was hooked almost immediately from the opening scene where I was kind of like, oh, holy shit. And then as the story is unraveled throughout the whole thing and then the dark history with her family and then the ending is like such a fucking sucker punch. It's haunting and like it makes you, I don't know, just want to lay down. You're just like, oh God, what an ending. It also has Mark Rylance in just a fucking weirdo role that's just like disturbing and creepy. Okay. Again, it's over two hours. It's two hours and 11 minutes, but. Well, that's not bad. I enjoyed it immensely, and I'm hopeful that there'll be a 4K release or something at some point because it's a movie that I actually would want to revisit. Where are we at? Your number three? Yes. A movie that was already on your list, one that we know that I enjoyed quite a bit more than you, Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. You're more of the the sentimental type. So I had probably a decent amount of complaints about this movie a lot that i didn't think was quite working that well but i loved the stuff towards the back end his little movie playing in the auditorium at the school right love that sequence loved the john ford stuff my favorite moment in movies of the year was the fucking camera panning (laughs) in the end i fucking loved it david lynch plays yeah john which was fun 
that scene was great. Coming out with the eye patch and covered in lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> from his lunch break. I loved that stuff. But I had stuff that I was complaining about, but overall, it hit for me. Yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it, which is why I, I wanted to make sure I included it. But it's not exactly my scene. It's 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 yeah. like a little too sentimental, which yeah. is something that Spielberg always does. But sure, I like when there's a little bit more to it, like an alien, like an ET, or a fucking ghost in Poltergeist. Uh-huh. Or something. Like I like the <laughs> yeah. sentimentality with something else, not just jacking off <laughs> your shark. fucking past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do that enough on my own about my own life. <laughs> Okay, so number two for you. Or do we need to do this in a way that... I'm feeling like we have the same top two, but I don't know in what order. Well, we'll just talk about... Unless you're... You might have a surprise for me, but... No, you. I think you know. Okay. Number two, I have a movie that was 30 years in the making. Mm. A movie that lived up to everything that a summer action blockbuster could be. A movie that Spielberg himself... Uh-huh. approached the star at one of these awards events and was gushing and telling him he saved movies. Yep. Of course, talking about Top Gun Maverick, a movie that probably would have been number one had it not been for this other movie that just got into my brain and infected me and then made me think about it for months. Yeah. Because I think even after I first saw my number one movie, I still would have thought Top Gun Maverick was number one for a while, and then it just kind of shifted at a certain point. What can you say? It's a legacy sequel that it may, it may even exceed the original. I mean, yeah. that seems blasphemous. It seems like a lot but... of, I think on Letterboxd it definitely is. Yeah. I, I think that's recency bias that yeah, always yeah. plays a part I with still like the too. original because give me an 80s aesthetic. Give me fucking dudes playing beach volleyball as a way to like out, <laughs> outman each other. Now it's like some weird <laughs> football game that didn't even make sense. Yeah. Okay. So it's my number one. So we'll just put that out there okay i have to say directed by joseph kaczynski when i left the theater after you and me saw it you wept no worse (laughs) i called Lindsay. (laughs) you and i go to the movies a lot Lindsay generally has a hey if you want to go generally not interested (laughs) yeah there's been plenty of times where she was supposed to and just yeah i bought a ticket even in a no show (laughs) But I called her, I wasn't even out of the waterfront parking lot on the phone, and I'm just like, you have to go see this with me. It ends with a Lady Gaga song. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're going. And she went, I think it was the only movie I saw in the theater twice for 22. I loved it as much the second time. Maybe more. She was 100% in. It really was that exciting theatrical experience that some years I go the entire movie run without experiencing yeah it's it's weird because a lot of movies would get shit on for being so predictable and yet it's predictable in a way that just makes you like cheer i know (laughs) you're like of course this is happening and of course you're (laughs) cheering as it's happening yeah yeah (laughs) i know and jeffrey conley just unbelievable seriously that was funny that a lot of the twitter narrative coming out of that movie was oh my god jennifer conley's so hot i'm like yeah where have you been? Where have you been? This party's been going strong since the 80s. Welcome. <laughs> Come in here. The water's fine. <laughs> We've been enjoying this for a long time. Sure. <laughs> yeah, what can you say? I know. Tom Cruise is a complete weirdo. But uh, yeah. He delivers in these moments. 
I'm sure that the next Mission Impossible is also going to be awesome. I know. You just know Him it doing is. doing all these crazy stunts. Yeah, and they had to sit on this movie for a long time, which was the right move, of course. Definitely. It's supposed to come out years earlier, and they were like, no, no, no. We can't release this during a pandemic or release this to streaming. This is something. And it was a massive hit. Absolutely. What can you say about it? It was just unbelievable. Yeah, it just had to be my number one. I saw it twice in the theater. The experience was unlike anything else for me. For me, my number one, I'm assuming, is your number two. Correct. A film that I saw the same day that we saw The Banshees of Inishirin, which was my birthday. Wow, what a day. What an outing. I know. What a sad fucking scene. Tar, directed by Todd Field. Now, this is one of those movies where you watch it, you may think you get it, and then something will stick in your brain. You'll be like, wait a minute, what was that? Yeah. And then you look it up, and then you all of a sudden you're in a rabbit hole now where (laughs) everybody's got these theories, and there's so much crazy shit in this movie that you probably didn't pick up on. a journey. You have to pay super close attention to it, which I know is annoying when people say that, but if you're glancing at your phone a bunch of times, you might miss things in the background or little details. And what does it all mean? I don't fucking know. Oh, yeah. I have no final answer for this. And this is a movie that I definitely don't want to get get into too much with theories because it could definitely be a movie we do someday Sure. on the podcast. There's a whole horror movie element to it. There's a whole, is this a dream element to it? There's a whole, did she actually do what she's being accused of? You assume she did. You right. definitely assume it. But you don't know even for sure. Like You don't really know what the fuck is going on. When you step back... You're like, well, wait a minute. What What is going on here? I don't know. And it is just one of those movies that you need a crazy performance. Like, you need one of these top-level performances. Even, like, that whole sequence with her, whatever, originally making fun of that kid that ends up going, like, viral later. That's an unbelievable scene. It's so long. The dialogue is just, like, never-ending. Yeah. I do think that there's a pretty good chance that Michelle Yao from... Everything Everywhere All at Once wins Best Actress. It is what it is. Kate Blanchett's already won. Sure. But she deserves to win, in my opinion. I don't know that we're actually going to do predictions, because who even knows? But I think Everywhere All at Once is going to win big and probably win a lot of the awards. Probably Brendan Fraser will probably win Best Actor, which sounds insane to even say that out loud. But <laughs> that seems like it could happen. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't been paying that close of attention, though, so I could be dead wrong. But... If Tar doesn't win anything, if it doesn't win a screenplay thing or anything, I will be disappointed. But it seems like that's definitely a possibility where it's not really going to live up to how good I think it is at the Oscars. Which, you know, whatever. But Chuck Klosterman was on Bill Simmons' podcast recently, and I was actually going to tell you to listen to it. Because he actually summed up the Oscars in a way that I think we've been trying to sum up. Can't find the words. For years. And he was basically like, the only thing the Oscars is good for is to be a reminder of how wrong it is every time or something. I know. Like, you only really remember it for being wrong anyway, so there's really no value to it or something. He just had a very succinct way of saying that, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly the whole point of it. It is a bummer, though. <laughs> Although everyone mostly will rejoice if everything everywhere wins. Sure. I, I think we know that. I would be happy, I guess, if there is some sort of collective reaction at least the Oscars. That, that's I will say that even though we didn't connect with it at least that is like a very original seeming thing yeah. and it would be a cool movie I'd be fine with it winning yeah 
so I guess we have just a, a little bit of time here to do some honorable mentions because there were a lot of other cool things that came out this year. They just weren't quite on this level. I actually have one, two, three, four, five. I have six, but there might even be more that I'm just not thinking of. Oh, well, yeah. The Batman. Yeah, I had that. I still am not sure. Parts of that I really liked, but again, too long. These movies do not have to be over three yeah, hours. that was ridiculous that it Insane. was three hours. And it really dragged at the end. And that was a movie that was so big for like three weeks, and then it yeah. felt like no one talked about it after three weeks. I don't know. It was strange. It was a huge movie, but then it was gone. Mm-hmm. Scream 5, or yeah. just Scream, okay. whatever you want to call it. Had some fun. I wish that it was a little bit higher budget. You can kind of see how cheap it was some of the time in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to watch Scream 6, which was coming out this weekend. By the time you hear our voices, we may have already seen it. Sure. We're actually planning on going out to the theater. That's how much we care about We're making our triumphant return. Weird. The Weird Al story. Okay. Didn't see. I really wanted to try to include some comedies because it's so dead. And I did laugh a fair amount with Weird, starring Daniel Radcliffe. Is it, like, amazing? No. It, it, that's why it's not on my top 15, but I did laugh. I mm-hmm. thought it was funny. See How They Run with Sam yeah. Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan. I have that as an honorable mention. That was damn close to replacing The Northman because it's one of those ones that you know while you're watching it, you're like, this is not a great movie, but she is damn funny Yeah, she it. is. Tr- I was fucking losing killing it. killing it in that yeah, movie. She's right. so funny. So that alone was, like, worth the price of admission. It's sort of like a parody of Agatha Christie yeah. or glass onion or right. thing but at the same time it is that it's like a deconstruction of that but then it turns into that so it's almost like a sleight of hand mm-hmm. they have adrian brody like open it and be like here's all the things that happen in these movies and then they actually just do it yeah, and yeah. you're still kind of like okay <laughs> and it still works right prey the predator prequel not really know. sure what you would call that i guess it takes place in the past so it's like a prequel it was fun didn't watch and pearl the prequel to x yeah which really is just all about the Mia Goth performance, mm-hmm. which is insane. And her monologue, rightfully so, was a called highlight. out for being incredible, and people thought she would get nominated for Best Actress, which is insane that yeah. people actually thought that. I liked X a lot more. but I did too, and I'm excited for the, the third part. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's 2022 for you. I know that we were sort of... On pins and needles about the everything, everywhere at once thing where like people are going to be annoyed we didn't love this movie like everyone else seems to. But I did start to notice that there were more dissenting voices against it. I'm not even in that camp of like hating on it like some of these people, but I at least appreciate that there's at least a little bit of a pushback. I was like, if this is 100% across the board, then I'm really out of touch. Right. I don't know. It just wasn't, it wasn't our thing. And Elvis was definitely not Matt's thing. Yeah, parts of it was. Got nominated for Best Picture, though. But... I, I, I was surprised by that, really. Thanks for listening. Email us, greatestpod at gmail.com, greatestpod at gmail.com. We'll try to get your email read on a show. If it's a question, comment, concern, whatever. You can also find us on Twitter, at greatestpod, where we will negotiate with you for a listener request. $50 for a movie up to 2 hours and 10 minutes. 75 up to three hours, and then we'll see after that. There's already been a negotiation. Big news. If you've been waiting to not be the first to give us money, then 
you're in luck. Someone already has. We're we're moving. It's happening. <laughs> People are saying they want they want in on this. We aren't just flapping our gums anymore. <laughs> we're in business. If you want a sticker, that is still free, and you can also reach out on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. And you can find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, and Matt Crosby. Speaking of listener requests, we have one coming up soon. Regular night this week, as usual, so stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. Ten decisions shape your life. You'll be aware of five above. Seven ways to go through school. Either you noticed or left out. Seven ways to get ahead Seven reasons to drop out When I said I can see me in your eyes You said I can see you in my pet That's not just friendship, that's romance too You like music, we can dance too Sit me down Remember this, when the horizon's at the bottom, it's interesting. When the horizon's at the top, it's interesting. When the horizon's in the middle, it's boring as shit.
Now, good luck to you. And get the fuck out of my office.